Hello everybody and welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain podcast. I am your host Radu Palamariu, Global Logistics and Supply Chain Practice Head for Morgan Phillips. My job is to connect you with global experts, thought leaders and executives in all things supply chain. I will do my best to pick their brains on supply chain and logistics leading edge technologies, leadership stories and personal success habits. This is episode 1 and it is my pleasure to have as guest Didier Schneveau. He's one of the leading supply chain executives in the region uh, across Asia Pacific. Stay tuned as we cover latest technologies in supply chain, uh, internet of things, blockchain, how to develop top supply chain leaders and the importance of drinking red wine. Without further ado, here is episode 1. Hello everybody and welcome to the first edition of Global Leaders in Supply Chain podcast. I'm delighted to have here with me today Didier Schneveau, who is the Executive Director of Ernst Young, based in Singapore, leading the practice for Asia-Pacific uh, and providing advisory services focused on supply chains across the region. Um, Didier is a long-term professional in, in, uh, in supply chain and logistics. He has served as the CEO of Siva Logistics in Asia-Pacific. Prior to that, he was also a member of the board and Chief, Executive, Chief Supply Chain Officer of LG. as well as prior to that he had a very long standing career with HP. Didier welcome and it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks. Um so we had a couple of questions from our uh, from our audience and from our um, uh, community. I'll start mostly on the industry side first. And the first question goes like this. How does doing business in Singapore and in Asia differ from the rest of the globe? What makes it unique? Well, you know, it's a very contrasted region, so you kind of have to separate the more advanced market of Singapore, Korea, Japan, Taiwan uh from the uh, emerging economies. Um it's hard to describe. I think you have to really live in the region for a number of years to uh really appreciate all the cultural difference, language difference and uh, business difference. Um it's a growing uh, region so lots of you know business opportunity especially in the, in the world of supply chain um i would say in the emerging countries uh we have to focus on you know expansion uh a lot of uh, multinational especially western multinationals you know for example been uh, in indonesia for 20 25 years but basically they've been in jakarta and then they realize is about you know 240 million people living outside of Jakarta which they're not really serving and it's they're quite far and it's complicated logistics and it's complicated supply chain so so you have to understand all these uh, dynamics you know same thing applies for for India for Vietnam for Thailand so for logistic professional and supply chain professional it's still a uh, very very interesting region and you know I encourage your listeners that are maybe outside of Asia to come and have a professional experience here because it's quite unique. Yeah, very good point. Thank you for sharing. And 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 if you were to look at Ernst and Young and, and your clients, what's what's one of the the key things that they're struggling right now when it comes to their supply chains in the region? So one of it is what I just mentioned is is expansion. Uh the second part I would say is uh how to, you know, master all these new technology that that are coming Uh, and that are really transforming a supply chain. So some companies have grown, you know, very fast in the last 10 years, but but their processes, their systems are not very solid. Uh very often we see what I call the land of 20,000 spreadsheets. So you run a, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation on on 200 Excel spreadsheets flying around uh which are not really uh, synchronized which 
you know, result in, uh, you know, service level not being really good, inventory being too high. So, so a lot of companies have to, you know, come to uh, more uh, system, process, integration, not working in silo, and really capturing uh, the value of, of, you know, software, basically. Mm. So, so I see a lot of clients, you know, asking us, how can we do better planning? How can we do integrated business planning end-to-end? that, you know, goes from, from the point of sale data uh, all the way to, you know, maybe placing orders on suppliers and making sure that we have that one version of the truth that everybody's working on. Not different plans, not different, you know, objective, not different metrics, but one single end-to-end uh, supply chain plan. So, you know, those are some of the challenges. Some people are uh, doing now uh, omni-channel strategy, meaning that they have you know traditional retail, but they're going online. Uh, you know, last mile uh, is is a big challenge in in most of Asia. Um, many developing countries, uh, you know, you have a uh, you have a, a working class that you know may may be below poverty, but still somehow has a cell phone and and is ordering online. And, you know, how do you deliver to these places that do not necessarily have an address uh, is, is a challenge. So there are, you know, very innovative solutions in that space as well. And we, we're helping clients do that. And, you know, at the other end, uh, you know, very, very sophisticated new technology. I think we'll talk maybe a little bit later about, you know, blockchain technology, which is a really uh, new uh, uh, ways of doing things, uh, you know, revolutionary in, in many respects. And, you know, companies are trying to, you know, understand how they can grasp this and improve their operation. Uh, you know, Internet of Things, IoT is, is another area. Uh, of course, everybody's talking about, you know, self-driving vehicles, self-driving uh, cars uh, or trucks. How will this impact the logistic industry? I think we're still quite a few years away from that. Uh, but self-driving vehicle or automated guided vehicle in the warehouse is something, you know, more, more current that... Uh, that well, clients are trying to, to understand and master. So mm. very, very interesting and exciting landscape of things that have changed as a, at a rate that I've not seen in my last you know, 25 years. Uh, we, we saw a big boom in the late 90s you know, when everybody was trying to grasp the Internet. Uh, and then I would say you know, 2005 to 15, you know, little bit, things a little bit slower. But now in the last two years explosion of all new technologies and new ways of doing things that, that are quite exciting. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and great, great, uh, great sharing. And it is true that probably what we are witnessing and experiencing now, it's, it's an exponential uh, transformation almost. Uh, it's, it's technologies, of course, as always, driving it. Um, but probably yeah, supply chains as we know it uh, will not be the same in five years. Absolutely. Um, um, and in your opinion, since we're talking about technology, so in your opinion, which technology trend in supply chain will likely make the most impact by year 2020? So I think, you know, people implementing uh, existing software tools, uh, I think there's a new upgrade cycle. So, you know, the major player, SAP, Oracle, JDA, uh, have come up with, a, you know, new release of their software. They're using new... Uh, in the case of SAP, memory technology, which is quite powerful. Uh, and so people are starting to, to grasp uh, the value of all of this. Um, we still have lots of companies in the region that have not really invested in uh, warehouse management system, WMS, or transportation management system, TMS. And I think those are, are very important to, you know, to capture value. 
in terms of new technology, I think there's two, two things. Um, for some clients, uh, IoT and, and all the you know, capture of data about uh, how an engine is performing, how a factory line is performing, and doing all the predictive analytics around this, trying to predict failure, trying to predict when parts are going to be needed for replacement, is, is a very growing field and very interesting where a lot of value can be captured. So, you know, I would say uh, really look carefully about all the sensors you can put on your trucks, on your manufacturing line, on your engines, if you're an airline, on your, uh, if you're a boat or shipping company, try to capture that data, try to analyze it, and, uh, you know, try to improve your operation. The second one I mentioned, which I think is really transformative, is, is blockchain technology. So it's going to be a huge impact on, you know, financial service markets, uh, and a lot of people are looking at this. I'm looking at it more from a supply chain point of view and how we can use this as a transfer of value and transfer of, of title, uh, you know, proof of ownership. Uh, lots of companies are working on this. EY, we're doing many proof of concept with, with several clients, looking how we can, you know, improve all this kind of back office paperwork, everything that was related to, you know, transfer of value and, and proof of ownership. So, yeah, very, very big, uh, very big demand uh, in that space right now with, you know, people trying to figure out, I mean, so it's a new technology, so people are trying to figure out what, what usage and use cases we can have, um, but this is really emerging as something just as big as, uh, you know, if back in 95 I would have said, oh, this this new thing called WWW and it's yeah. the internet you know, people were just like, okay, all right. Uh, we, we're probably a little bit at that stage right now with, with blockchain, but a, a lot of companies are, you know, identifying use cases and building proof of concept, and, you know, we're helping doing that. Yeah, and thank you. And it's, it's very interesting because we did get two questions from our audience, and, and one was specifically about blockchain, and the other one was on IoT, so it's exactly what you mentioned okay. as the most transformative technologies. So if you were to, if we could to go just one level, one level deeper, so blockchain, I think everybody talks about blockchain now, if mm -hmm. you pop out on the LinkedIn or the internet, there's an article about blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, but have you seen, I mean, have you seen, and there's a lot of, as you said, proof of concepts, uh, but have you seen also some, any, I mean, we have obviously the Bitcoin as well as another implication of blockchain, but um, in supply chains, have you seen anything that uh, that is almost already a implemented or close to being implemented because it, it also to me right as maybe I'm not an expert but it looks like it's something that will have it will take time it will take time and it takes a lot of synchronized effort from a lot of different parties to, not, to be not, not really so we have uh, clients right now that are looking I mean they're not looking they're implementing the technology uh, to uh, verify uh, you know access to their data who can change the data uh, we have a, a project where it's uh, actually somewhat of a treasury project. So who can uh, authorize the bank information to be updated in the database? And this is actually written to the blockchain. So, you know, of course, it's this notion of consensus. Once it's going to be on the blockchain, it's uh, not, not changeable, not hackable. So they are, you know, proof of concept at this time, but they are you know, proven to work, and then once it's proven to work, companies will expand. Mm. So it, it's, that's not, it's not slideware, it's actually, you know, people are coding things and mm. are actually putting transaction uh, 
using blockchain technology. And um, you know, we, we have a number of programs running okay. right now, including with some very large multinationals that are looking at how to onboard their suppliers, how to receive contract information, how to uh, you know, place orders, uh, how to agree on the price of the transaction, and I think track and trace of all of this uh, written to the blockchain. Yeah. And uh, we use Ethereum, which is uh, kind of the platform of choice right now because it enables smart contracts. So this whole notion also uh, in the logistic industry, when you know something happens uh, on the blockchain and there's a smart contract attached to it, the payment can be executed based on arrival of those product. And uh, you know, I think Maersk and, and IBM have had a lot of coverage on that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a very, mm-hmm. yeah. This is a very very interesting work they're doing, and I think the logistic industry is going to wake up to all of this. And you know, traditionally it's been a very paper intensive yeah. industry. You know, there's lots of Documents traveling around the world uh, because of international trade, uh, you know, with any boat, ship. Uh, I think all this is going to be transformed. Uh, it will take, it will be taken away almost. I mean, yeah, it will, it will. Most of it will be taken away. Some of it will be converted to smart contract, which was, you know, auto execute based on milestone being reached. Uh, I think in the case of MERS, they're looking also at uh, you know automatic self insurance when the car, when the container is being put on the ship and start leaving. Yeah. Uh, you know, automatic payment at arrival. So all this is enabled by smart contract. Got it. Got it. No, very good examples. Um, and how about the Internet of Things? So the question or question we got from Piyush Kansal, thank you, Piyush, was has the Internet of Things actually started changing the way supply chain operates or is it still a buzzword? It has changed. Um, we've uh, looked at a recent project with a, a major airline in the region and, you know, the amount of data that is captured about the health of the engine as you know prior to the flight on flight and post flight is actually quite staggering and uh, it's being monitored you know real time by the engine maker but the airlines also are starting to um, you know to capture all that analyze this and it helps them in their you know parts strategy so if you're able to analyze all these data able to do the predictive analytics you can predict you know failure you can predict replacement before failure and you can start optimizing your inventory of parts around the world based on you know flight condition based on you know all kinds of uh, of data points that are being captured so you know it's uh, there again it's not uh, you know just ideas or or slideware it's actual application where more and more data is being captured um, and and used to improve uh, operation. Uh, I think Singapore is doing a lot of things in that respect. You know, doing uh, more sensors everywhere in the city. Uh, you know, air quality, traffic. You know, electricity consumption. You name it. Mm-hmm. And you know, smart cities are going to be using all that IoT, uh, and and already are. It, it's not you know thirty years from now. It's not twenty years from now. It's it's today. Yeah, and and hopefully to make yeah. our to make our life better and easier. And since you're from uh, originally from France, uh, I heard a story. I don't think it's a story, actually. It's an it's a, it's a application of Internet of Things, but it's a, maybe not the place where you would think to find it. It's in the wine industry. So basically, there are farmers of grapes. So basically, they have sensors, and based on the, 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 the sunlight and the temperature, they activate the, the sprinkles to put water or not, depending on... So it's, it's incredible. Absolutely. It's incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Super, and um, 
Another very good question from Agnes. Uh, she was asking, before investing hundreds of, of thousands and millions of dollars in digital, in new tech, if we are to look at the fundamentals of a supply chain, what, what would that still be in today's time and age? You still, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You, you don't want to uh, sprint before you can run and before you can walk. So I just always tell my clients, you know, crawl, walk, you know, run, and then sprint. So there's some basic things that you need to have in your supply chain. First of all, you need to have people uh, that have the skill and the understanding how these things work. So it's just not technology for the sake of technology. Uh, second, you need to have some, uh, you know, operating model in place. You know, who does what, where, and when, and you have to be very clear on this. Uh, then you need to have some basic system. There's no point trying to do sophisticated data analytics if you cannot place an order, or if you know your procurement uh, is not in place, or your production planning is is not optimized. So there are some you know, maturity level that you have to go through. So, so here we have a couple of, you know, um, tools to tell clients, you know, you're level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. And if you level one, this is how you go to level two. This is what you need to do. This is the sequence, you know, and this for each and every step. So, of course, digital comes probably between level three, four, five, not level one, two. Uh, so if you level one, uh, you know, follow the roadmap to go to maturity level two before you jump and spend millions of dollars. I don't see many clients wanting to jump from one to five and just say, you know, even if it's big transformation, it, there's usually a sequence to it. So I, I would, you know, benchmark myself, see what maturity level I'm at. And then it's, you know, quite uh, straightforward to say those are the steps you need to take to go from from level two to level three. Mm, very, very good point. Actually, yeah, it's, it's also a good question because there is a lot of hype about all the, 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 the words that, and the, 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 the trends that we, we've talked about, but there is also the reality. Don't break your neck. Don't try to do too many things at the same time. Yeah, and, 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 and in the region, you know, back, back to developing markets, uh, you know, if you take the, the example of warehouse, uh, I've seen warehouse where, you know, having a reliable uh, supply of electricity is a challenge. So you fix that before you put sensors, you know, everywhere. Because if you don't have electricity on a regular basis, it's, it's going to be hard. Problematic. So it's going to be problematic. So, so yeah. doing the basics uh, and then, you know, upgrading through to the maturity curve is, and, and consultant there to help you do this. I mean, that's that's what we do for a living. So yeah. yeah. And you know you, you can help people save money because they don't have to make the mistake which um, uh, can be prevented. Um, and since you did mention that the first uh, the first fundamental is about people and, and that's our business as well at Morgan Phillips, it's uh, it's finding the right people. There are some questions that I wanted to ask you in terms of talent and supply chain talent. And uh, the first one is, um, what's your thoughts in general about talent and supply chain talent development in Asia? And is there enough supply chain talent in the region? That so the, the obvious answer is no, there's not enough talent. And, uh, you know, we always struggle to, to, to find them. Uh, of course, it varies market by market, but uh, there's not enough in China. There's not enough in Indonesia. S Singapore, you know, because of its educational system, attractiveness, etc., as, as good supply chain professional. But, but as you move, you know, outside to the, the rest of Asia, it, it becomes a challenge. 
Um, I don't know if it's because it's not attractive as, as a field of study or, or field of development for professionals, uh, or because the demand is just so high, you know, due to the growth of the past, uh, past 10, 15 years. Uh, but we need to make an effort. We need to, you know, train more people uh, in the world of uh, supply chain planning, logistics. Uh, there's, there's demand out there. Uh, but those professionals need to be uh, more and more, you know, sophisticated, educated. I mean, the pace of change is so fast that, you know, something that would have been learned five years ago as, you know, being the gold standard is no longer relevant. relevant sorry. So I think what's key is, you know, lifelong learning and, and continuous training. Uh, you know, even I, with 25 years of experience behind me, I'm still spending, you know, endless hours, you know, upgrading myself, updating myself, reading, you know, following online courses. Because, uh, you know, we talked about blockchain a year ago. I did not know what it was. And, and you cannot just go in front of a client and just you know, put out buzzword. You have to understand the, the basic concept of, of what you're doing in the technology. So yeah. not enough talent. The talent we have, we need to constantly you know, upgrade. educate. I, upgrade, I don't really like the word. It, mm. it sounds like you know, you're removing a chip and putting a new right. one yeah. or upgrading <laughs> the software. But it's, yeah, it's continuous uh, learning and continuous training and staying on top of things. Got it. And actually, that, that kind of leads us to the next question, which is from, uh, from Ricardo Daza. Thank you, Ricardo. He asked, what skills, I think it can be hard and soft, should logistics and supply chain professionals be focused on in order to remain relevant in the future and for the long run? So on the hard skill, I would say, you know, understanding analytics is very important. Uh, of course, being, uh, you know, computer proficient and understanding the you know, big computer technology, uh, if you are an SAP expert or Oracle expert or JD expert, these are, you know, huge value in the marketplace. Uh, if you can implement a transportation management system, a WMS system, an integrated business planning system, you, you'll have you know, great value. Uh, so those are very uh, in-demand skills. Uh, on the soft side, um, I would say we've been in the supply chain, we've been a little bit like uh, engineers, you know, technically very comp competent, uh, but not always very good at explaining what we do. And, and so I would encourage everybody to you know, work on their communication skills and presentation skill. Um, you have to you know, convince people to, to make those change. And so the, the charisma that you have and the power of persuasion that you have is, is very critical. Yeah. So work on your hard skill, but make sure your soft skill, people skill, communication skills are, are good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the question, uh, since we, we, we have to address millennials at some point, of course, in, when it comes to talent, question from Yasir, uh, he's asking, is the industry ready for millennials and what changes big structured companies need to make to embrace millennials? Okay, it's a bit of a loaded question, but I think the point is, uh, yeah, it's about... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, of course, of course, the <laughs> companies are ready for, for millennials. Um, you know, we have them working with us today. They're, they're very computer savvy. They're uh, cell phone savvy, uh, mobile technology. They understand. So, so it's a great asset to, to have on board. Um, a lot of these new companies, you know, when it comes to e-commerce or, you know, service industry, uh, I've embraced um, millennials and, and brought them into the workforce. Um, some more traditional companies here in the region are going to have to change. 
uh, and be more flexible. But I think the you know the global multinationals uh, have, have taken the challenge and uh, you know integrated them quite nicely. Uh, of course, here at EY, we uh, hire thousands and thousands every year, and and they have successful careers. Um, when it comes to supply chain, I think you know this this mastery of technology, this familiarity with you know electronic payment, buying online, uh, doing everything mobile from anywhere, anytime is a great asset because supply chain need to be able to do this. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a twenty four seven economy. Uh, it can happen anywhere, and um, and they understand that. So, so great assets to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I mean, back back to back to you, Didier. And I mean, you've had a long-standing career uh, by by most people's standards, very successful career. So, if you were to um, to think back and then and reflect on on that, what is the best piece of advice that you've received, or was the best pieces of advice that you received that you could share with somebody that's maybe young and just starting? Uh, I remember maybe twenty years ago, one of my uh, executive I was working for uh, just told me this single sentence. He said, always take the high road. Meaning, you know, when, when something is in conflict or when something is not working, don't let yourself, you know, drain into that or, you know, fight fighting it. Just, uh, you know, take a step back, uh, look at the broader picture and, and take the high road. And, you know, that's what I've tried to do. Uh, you know, the, the career has not been linear. The, there's been a, a few setbacks and, and rebounds. Uh, but you learn from that, you know. And I think it's uh, it's how you grow. It's how you develop personally. Um, I've had the chance of working in three continents for extended period of time. So I've worked, you know, 10 years in Europe, 12, 15 years in the U.S., and now almost 10 years in, in Asia. And I think that provides you with a the great perspective, you know. I think if people want to have uh, international careers, they're very fulfilling, but they need to be willing to, you know, travel the globe and uh, have different experience in different areas. But that's what I've personally, you know, enjoyed the most is having worked on three different continents, three or four different, very different cultures. You know, U.S., California. Then I moved to Korea, totally different. Absolutely. So, so those are the chance you have in in life and. Uh, you know, I encourage people to to try. The world is uh, still full of opportunity for for professionals. Yes, everybody talks about uh, the scarcity of work in the future, the fact that artificial intelligence is all going to do our jobs. But I still see that as you know, a, still a faraway prospect in terms of replacing some of the human creativity. I think logistic professionals, supply chain professionals, are still going to be needed for the next. 25 years after that Absolutely. I don't know Absolutely And yeah Yeah everybody talks about AI, AI But uh, let's 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 <laughs> Again uh, Let's uh, Yeah and I, and I may be wrong You know maybe uh, An AI machine will uh, Do my job Much better than I could ever do it uh, You know within a couple of years and, and that would be fine But um, There's still a, a, a lot of challenge There's You know Back to technology Some that are Overhyped and that uh, may not come to fruition right away. Um, you know, right now I'm, I'm I've been reading very interesting stuff about self-driving car. Everybody mm -hmm. say that you know we're all going to have one within five to ten years. Uh, the problem is that uh, there's still a lot of unresolved issue, 
um, and uh, but this is probably the subject of another conversation. But quite 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 interesting and quite challenging. So yeah, and I mean just to to, to add my two cents into that because I think it is relevant once we didn't have it on the agenda. But uh, there's also deep social implications. There's deep um, policy implications. There's uh, so it's 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 not it's not uh, no matter how enthusiastic some people are. Are about it. It's not something you can uh, uh, implement in, <laughs> in a snap, and it will take years. Yeah. It will take years. Um, great. So coming back to um, uh, to another personal piece of uh, coming back to the advice. But let's say that uh, there's a 23 year old graduating university today wanting to pursue a career in supply chain. Uh, what would be one thing that you would tell him? Get as much experience as you can from you know various industry. Don't don't stay in one single industry. Um, you know I haven't followed my own advice. I stayed you know 17 years with the, the same employer at HP, but uh, in in different types of job. But I would say um, you know try to get as much uh, international experience and, and different industry sectors. Uh, some of the concepts are actually the same. Uh, and some of the logic of you know proper supply chain management uh, apply across industry, but there's some industry specific and and you know uh, techniques and and buzzword or language that you need to uh, to know for from each and every uh, industry. Uh, if you can try to do you know both uh, consulting and uh, what we say real world <laughs> job. Um, and those are, you know, great career builders. Uh, they provide, you know, expertise and and uh, eventually some gray hair that uh, then people rely upon, because then you can provide advice uh, based on the experience you've had over the years. So it's still a, to me, it's still a fascinating field. Um, you know, maybe it's not as sexy as some uh, other areas available to a 23-year-old uh, now, but. Uh, I think there's still great opportunity. Great opportunity. The the world is changing very fast, and it's changing in the world of logistics, supply chain, manufacturing, uh, things that are possible now that would have not been possible, you know, a few years. And there's going to be a full upgrade cycle in all these companies, upgrading, you know, computer system, upgrading, you know, software, hardware. Uh, automating uh, the manufacturing line, automating transportation, warehousing has got lots of new technology coming. Uh, you know, fully lights out uh, warehouse is a possibility. Uh, lights out planning is a possibility. And so, you know, people have to create all this. And it provides great opportunity for for, for new graduate. Yeah, definitely exciting times ahead. And, uh, and uh, yeah, lots to do. Um, Another question is, uh, can you share an internet uh, or online supply chain resource, like a website or online course or something that would be relevant to our listeners, somewhere they can go and learn? <laughs> I actually use uh, I have an iPhone and I use News, the application News, and it allows you to select topics. And uh, so I've put, you know, uh, 5G, I've put IoT, I've put uh, SAP, and, and it gathers all the information from the web around that specific topic. And so I find that quite useful rather than going to a, you know, logistic or supply chain specific website. I, uh, I selected topics of interest and I've got about 20. And this application will, you know, aggregate all the news relevant, relevant to that. So I find that quite useful. 
Um, I've stayed away a little bit, to be honest, from all these conferences uh, that are popping up everywhere and that I think very often are just redundant or don't provide a, a lot of value. So, um, And then, you know, it's just general knowledge about business that's important because you start with a business problem and then you can see what's the implication for supply chain and how to solve it. So I read The Economist and, you know, mm. and Business Week avidly yeah. because it just opens up your mind to something that's not just, you know, how do you optimize transportation or how do you optimize planning, but, but it's broader. So. Yeah, back to the bigger picture, back to the yeah. high road. And, and, and um, very good sharing. I, I didn't know about the news application. I'm going to download yeah. it. Uh, I think you have to be registered as a U.S. user. Some okay. countries it doesn't work, but if you set your region to mm. USA... There's ways. There's ways. <laughs> We are in Singapore, there's ways. <laughs> um, one other question. What is, a, what is a personal habit of yours, Didier, that you think contributes to your success? Wow. Um, a glass of French red wine every day <laughs> to keep a, good, a proper life balance. Um, I, I love to travel. And, uh, you know, I, I get uh, steam off by, uh, you know, jumping on a bus or a plane and going to visit this incredible region that's Southeast Asia. Uh, I think uh, among all the people I know here in Singapore, I'm probably the one who's done the most uh, personal miles uh, going to visit uh, Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Burma. So this is a great region. This is why I love to live in Singapore, because we are so close to so many different incredible culture so yeah that's how i uh, i take some some rest yeah <laughs> super super and um final question um is there a specific memorable story in your career around solving a supply chain challenge that you could share with us hmm i i do remember uh those were back in my hp days And, uh, you know, in the U.S., you can uh, buy something, so a computer or a printer, and you have about four weeks or five weeks or a month to return it. And I do remember one time uh, we uh, received a memo from the third-party uh, repair supplier that we were using to repair our PCs. And it was, uh, thank you for sending us back the PC, but there were bricks in the box. And so, unfortunately, we had credited the customer, and it turns out the the box, the, the PC had been returned, not in the box, but bricks placed inside the box, and had been moved from Sacramento all the way back to Nashville, where we had our repair center. We had credited back the customer, then we had spent a few hundred dollars, you know, shipping the product around, and then we were about to spend a few more hundred dollars repairing it when we found that it was bricks. <laughs> so, I think I still have the memo from... Uh, framed in my house of uh, the memo from the third party provider uh, but jo joke aside you know um, re reverse logistic is an area we did not talk about uh, the uh, the rise of e-commerce creates lots of reverse logistic challenge and so folks that are interested in that area it's a fascinating area of uh, you know how do you return things what do you repair what do you not repair And, you know, all the environmental application that it has as well, you know, recycling. So this whole area of supply chain sustainability, we, we didn't talk much about today, but it's a fascinating area where people are going to have to spend a lot of time because uh, we have to leave a, a better planet. We have to make the planet great again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Didier, thank you so much. Thank you very much for your time, for your sharing, for your uh, insights. It's been It a pleasure. My pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow us on radopalamario.com slash podcast for all the show notes and links and extra tips covered in the interview. Also, make sure to subscribe to our emailing list to get the news in the nick of time. I am most active on LinkedIn, so do feel free to follow me to stay tuned for our latest podcasts and articles. And make sure not to miss our next episode as we are talking with the CEO of one of the most prominent e-commerce logistics companies in the world. Stay tuned.